Psalm 103, when you have it, say amen for me. All right, that was hardy. Let's go ahead and dive into God's word. This is what his word says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so I want to simply entitle this message, A Faithful God Deserves Faithful Praise. Faithful God Deserves Faithful Praise. Why don't y'all join me in a word of prayer? King of kings and Lord of lords, that's who you are. You are God, and yet you call us your children, so we get to call you Father. What a privilege it is to enter into your presence, period. But what an infinitely miraculous privilege it is that we get to enter your presence as your kids. Father, I'm a broken man. Words sometimes flow out of my mouth and sometimes they don't. Or you know all of the weaknesses that I have. But I am so glad that as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, that, that when I am weak, you are strong. So God, I pray you will show off your strength today. Fill me with your spirit to proclaim your perfect word as an imperfect man. God, fill this room with your spirit so that we might hear your word and desire to apply it. And God, I also pray that you would convict souls this morning, those who know their own sin, and they recognize the guilt that they have before a holy God. Would you not let them sit in worldly grief, but would you transform it into godly grief? so that they might repent and turn in faith to you. And for those of us who already know you, continue the transforming, renovative work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you to do all these things. And we pray all these things in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, amen, 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 amen. Well, we're coming on this song, and it's one of my favorite songs. And I want to begin by talking a little bit about action songs. (laughs) Now, as soon as I bring up action songs, you might not know what I'm talking about, but action songs are the songs that DJs play at parties, birthday parties, weddings, graduation parties, anniversaries, whatever it is, this is the kind of song that a DJ will play to get the party (laughs) popping. And you might not, not, not really know what I'm talking about when I talk about an action song, but you know it when you hear it. <laughs> See, in one generation, it was the, you know, the whip nay-nay. <laughs> uh-huh. That was my kids. In my generation, it was the cha-cha, right? Slide to the left. 
Slide to the right. What's, what's next? Crisscross, right? In every generation, it's the electric slide. <laughs> but when I was younger, when I was younger, when I was younger, I, I heard the first action song I had ever heard in my life. It goes a little something like this. You put your right foot in. <laughs> you put your right foot out. <laughs> you put your right foot in, and what you supposed to do after that? Shake that joint all about, right? <laughs> and you do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around. What? That is what it's all about. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. You might be asking, what in the world does the hokey pokey have to do with Psalm 103? <laughs> well, here it is. Here it is. I believe that Psalm 103, just like all of these songs, has the same purpose of an action song. And what is the point of an action song? What is the point of an action song? It's this. To do what the song says. The point of an action song is to do what the song says. When the cha-cha comes on or the electric slide comes on, the song is not telling you to, you know, do mental gymnastics. <laughs> it is requiring you to take action, to get out on the dance floor, and when it says slide to the left, do that. So when this song gives the mandate to bless the Lord, the call of the text, the call of the song is to do what the song says. Now, what you're going to see in the text is you're going to see pretty much a mandate sandwich. On the front end and the back end, you're going to see the mandate to bless the Lord. But right in between, right smack dab in the middle, the meat, if you were, of the text is not the mandate, but the motivation for the mandate. And the motivation for the mandate, here it is in one word, one word that describes God, here it is, faithful. The reason we are called to bless the Lord is because our God is faithful. So now, join me as we talk about the mandate to bless the Lord. Look what it says in verse 1, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I love this idea of blessing in the Hebrew. And, and there are different ways that the word blessing is used throughout the scripture. You have the New Testament form that you see in the Beatitudes in Matthew's gospel in chapter 5. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. And that kind of blessing is a type of blessing that is a state of being. Another type of blessing that you have is when you bestow a blessing upon somebody. But this last form of blessing, this last kind of blessing is the type of blessing that we see here. And here is what it means. It means to ascribe greatness to somebody outside of yourself. And here's what's dope about the Hebrew concept. Inherent to the Hebrew concept of blessing is this idea of kneeling. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the world does kneeling have to do with blessing? Well, think about it. If you ascribe greatness to somebody who ain't you, you are simultaneously saying what? I ain't that great. If you are ascribing awesomeness to somebody who ain't you, you are simultaneously saying what? I ain't that awesome. 
So when David says, bless not David, but bless the Lord, he is simultaneously saying something about God and himself. As he is ascribing greatness to God as creator, he is putting him own self in the proper position as creation. Y'all ever um, seen, you know, Toy Story, Bugs Life, Ants, those movies? What's interesting about those movies is they, they like, they're all about these like really tiny figures. You think about that? But they place them on a big screen. And for 60 minutes or 90 minutes, these insignificant creatures become larger than life. But pan out a little bit, you know, to that human eye level. Or pan out some more to that, you know, house level or to the city level or to the global level. And what you will recognize is those creatures that once seemed larger than life now seem really insignificant. Reminds me a little bit of uh, growing up. One of my favorite toys to play with was uh, Hot Wheels cars. How many Hot Wheels fans we got in the building? Yeah, 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 yeah. So every Christmas, y'all, like I lie to you now, every Christmas, we would get, you know, the cool gifts, clothes, uh, you know, the, the, the PlayStation. And we would always, my mom would always, always bless us with these stockings. And in the stockings, we always had at least two things. We would always have, well, three things, actually. You already know socks, right? <laughs> But then we get those candy canes, you know what I'm talking about, the candy cane shaped Jones that were filled with Reese cups. <laughs> you know them Jones? And then the third thing we get every time in our stocking is a Hot Wheels car. <laughs> Loved it to death. And one year, one year, one year, my mom, like, she killed the game. <laughs> because I got this Hot Wheels car of a Lamborghini. <laughs> Yo, now one of them guys, like, I might get excited about weird stuff. I might get a PlayStation, but the Hot Wheels car, that's where it's at. And I love Lamborghinis, so I was blown away by the Hot Wheels car. Until I saw Lamborghini in person. And that which used to be amazing and cool and awesome... Now was no longer that when I saw the real thing. The Hot Wheels car is just a model of the genuine version. Do you know what you are described as in the scripture? If you are a human being, you are described as the, the one who bears God's image. You are a model of God. But what happens to us as human beings since the fall is we somehow, some way, start to become so self-centered, so self-seeking, so into our own world that we begin to actually believe that we are larger than life. And what David is saying is get out of your head, pan out, recognize that you are not that awesome. Now somebody might be saying like, well, I think I'm actually that great. I think I'm actually pretty cool, right? Let me just set you free, and I'm just going to say it as clearly as I can. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Here it is. Here it is. You, Hot Wheels car. God, Lamborghini. And for that reason, David is saying, yo, tell the truth about who God is and who you are in comparison. Bless the 
the Lord, O my soul. And then right after that, he says, and all that is within me. Now, this is really repetitive in Hebrew. Because to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, is to bless the Lord all that is within me. Because the Hebrew concept of the soul literally speaks to all that makes a person what they are. I think it was Plato who believed that everything had a soul. So, you know, you believe, you know, apples had apple souls. <laughs> you believe dogs had dog souls. <laughs> and he believed in stank, nasty attitude cats. <laughs> Got stink, nasty attitude, cat souls, right? Cats are so frustrating, man. No matter where you go, it's almost like Chick-fil-A. No matter what Chick-fil-A you go to, they're always kind to you. No matter what cat you meet, they don't care about you at all. Even the owner. But what it tells us in the Hebrew concept is that every single creature is created with its own sense of what it is. Here's what David's doing right here. He's saying to himself, David, let all of your Davidness ascribe greatness to God. Now, you might be saying, okay, so what does that look like practically? What does that look like practically? Well, I'm going to tell you what it looks like practically. When everything that is within you does something, everybody knows it. I used to have this uh, really, really, really broken down washing machine. Um, and anybody else have like broken washing machines so I don't feel alone in the building? Okay, thank y'all, please. Thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. Okay. So you would put something inside of the washing machine. <laughs> and so you just put some, you know, blankets, some clothes or whatever. You put some, something inside of the washing machine. And when your washing machine ain't working right, <laughs> everybody in the house knows it. <laughs> you stuff that joint with clothes and what starts to happen? You don't just do a regular washing machine do, you know, turning quietly. <laughs> no. Sound like it's an earthquake in the home, right? It's like, what in the world is happening? What's happening is everything that is stirring in on the inside is being made known on the outside. When you are being stirred towards love, towards praise, towards worship of God on the inside, everybody should know it on the outside. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. But this is the part of the text that I love, because David doesn't leave you there, because he wants to give you a reason for why you should do this. So he moves now from the mandate to the motivation. And there are five motivations that he places in this beginning section in the text. This is what he says. Forget not all his, what's the text? Benefits. Now, y'all know what benefits are. How many people got a job in the building? Okay, raise it high, raise it high, raise it high. I had to do this for second service too, right? No, keep it, keep it. Be proud of your job. Be very proud. Keep it up high, keep it up high, keep it up high. Okay, now, low, no, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Lower your hand if you don't like your job. Okay, now y'all, man, y'all fancy, y'all love y'all jobs. I only saw like one or two hands go down. Well, you can put your hands down. For the one or two people who did not like their job, 
What keeps you going to work every day? You know what it is? Benefits. Because there ain't no way that you're going to go to a job that you don't like without them benefits. What's great about this text is that after, 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 David has already ascribed greatness to God. He goes further and says, God is so loving though that he goes on top of the greatness of who he already is and he gives you a benefits package that gives you reason in any and every circumstance you're in to continue to bless the Lord. So what's that benefits package? Glad you asked. Here we go. This is what God does for you. Forgives all your iniquity. Heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from the pit, verse 4. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, these five things that he forgives, that he heals, that he redeems, that he crowns, that he satisfies. These five things are God's faithfulness in action. But here's what's beautiful about the whole psalm of Psalm 103. The faithfulness of God's actions are grounded in the faithfulness of God's essence. The rest of the text, the rest of the text, the rest of the text is all about God's character. It's about not what God does, but about who God is. How do I know that? Because the psalmist will go on to quote Exodus 34. And if you remember Exodus 34, after the people of Israel are led out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, they're in the wilderness. Moses is called up to the mountaintop and Moses asked the Lord, show me your ways. And and, and then the Lord, the Lord does this. He passes by Moses. And this is what's so ill about our God, y'all. Can I, just, can I just tell you why I just think God is so awesome? We have in the hip-hop community something called hype men. You know what hype man is? If you've never listened to hip-hop, it's exactly what it sounds like, a person who hypes somebody else. So you have a hype man who goes around proclaiming the name of somebody else. Yo, he's awesome, he's great, he's all of that. That's their job. You know what's so dope about our God? Our God is so amazing that he hypes himself. (laughs) Like when Moses says, yo, show me your ways, and he passes by, God has no one else to hype up. (laughs) He has no other name that he wants to proclaim. God passes by Moses, and he says, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, merciful and gracious, compassionate, abounding in steadfast love. That's who God is. And then what David will do is he will take those concepts and then he will give you some imagery that you can hold on to so that you know this benefits package of God's faithfulness in action is grounded in God's faithful nature. So look at some of this imagery that he gives here in the text. Look at verse 9. He says he will not always chide nor will he keep his anger forever. I love that language. It's not that God should not be angry with our sin, but for the believer in Jesus Christ, he doesn't keep it. Now notice this, notice this, notice this. Oh my gosh, I love this. 
As if that wasn't enough, look at verse 10. This is where you should shout hallelujah. I'm just letting you know. I'll give you a toss-up. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Yeah. Because that's crazy. This idea of repayment or or giving back or dealing with somebody has the idea of reciprocity. You know, you give somebody something and then you get something in return. It, It literally has the idea of going to a store clerk of some sort, giving them some money and they give you something back in return. I remember uh, growing up in Louisiana, uh, I had an Uncle Rob, uh, love Uncle Rob. Uncle Rob uh, was a dude who owned his own store. And Uncle Rob in his own store owned all these tools and he had, you know, the stuff for the adults. But then he had an entire section dedicated to the kids where there was a whole bunch of candy. (laughs) So I would go in the store. I would go in the store and I would ask my mom before I went to the store, I said, because I ain't had no money myself. (laughs) I'd go to my mom. I say, mommy, please, 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 can I get some money to go to Uncle Rob's? So my mom would pull out like $2, she would give me $2, and I was hyped. Because at that time, $2 can get you a lot of candy. So I would go run into Uncle Rob's store, and I would walk into Uncle Rob's store, and this is what I would do. I would put my $2 on the counter, and I would say these words, Uncle Rob, what can this get me? And he would start pulling out now ladies, Starburst, you know what I'm saying, Skittles. And if he was feeling really, really good, he would even throw like one of them ice cream bars or them ice cream cones on top of that. And I would grab the stuff that Uncle Rob gave me. And I would run out of the store and I was so happy. Couldn't nobody tell me that wasn't the greatest day in the world. And some of us, believe that's what it's going to be like when we meet God face to face. We think in our arrogance that we have stocked up so much righteousness and that we're going to go to the store clerk in heaven. And we're going to pull out our righteousness, pull out our goodness, pull out all of the works that we think are awesome before God. And we're going to lay them on the counter in heaven. And we're going to say, yo, Jesus, what can this get me? With a smile on our faces. You know what Jesus is going to say? Romans 6.23 has the answer. What does it say? The wages, the repayment, the reciprocity for sin is what? Death. What can this get me, Jesus? All of my righteousness that I work for, all of these good works that I've done, what can it get me? And he will respond, death. That's what we deserve. But aren't you glad? This is why I said shout hallelujah. That the text does not say that we have a God who pays us back according to our sins. No, we have a God who does not repay us according to our sins. So yes, the beginning of that text in Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Feel the weight of that. Feel the sting of that. But don't finish there. But, but, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know how insane that is? This is why, this is why I, guys, I can't contain myself sometimes when I'm reading the scripture. Because how awesome our God is. Can I tell you when I've seen this like played out? Pastor in the church, you never want to make this mistake ever. Have a staff team. This happened one month in August. We accidentally gave the paycheck of one employee to another. So that person, that employee, got a much better paycheck that month. And they began to think that they had just got a raise. You never want to be a pastor and have to do this. Not only did I have to go and break the news, oh, we made a mistake. And just to be honest, you did not get a raise. But let me tell you, I, got, I had to go further than that. I had to also say, and next paycheck, you're actually going to see a lot less money than you normally do to make up for all that we gave you this month. That was rough. That was rough. But do you know why that happened? Because we made a mistake. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Here's the good news of the gospel. You ready for this? What we did in our church as a mistake, God does through Jesus Christ on purpose. Jesus Christ has earned righteousness, has earned glory, has earned an inheritance. We have earned death and worked very hard for it, thank you very much. But God says, I will take the paycheck that my son earned and I will give it to you by faith in him. Oh, that's good news right there. Not only does he give you that imagery, he goes on and he says this. He says, as, far, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Guys, I can't tell you how much this passage meant to me, just reading it through as a young man. I can't tell you how much more it means to me now, being the father, not just of all my kids, because I love them and compassionate to them all that, but in a unique way to my daughter. We have a park right outside, uh, right across the street from my house. Right across the street from my house. And we go to that park, you know, all the time, take the family there. I love it. Love it going over there. And at this park, you know, there's no reserving the park for yourself. All of these other kids are going to be playing at the park. So, you know, one of the weird things that I just love watching kids is there are some kids that, you know, we're human, right? They want to do the right thing. They want to find their right way. They want to stay safe. And sometimes they slip and they fall and they make a mistake. There are other kids who it's like there's something in their mind that just is screaming 24-7, self-destroy, 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 self-destroy. And you see it from a young age. Like, have you ever seen this in a park? And I know I shouldn't laugh, so don't judge me. But you be saying toddlers, like, just stumbling, barely can walk. But they call themselves jumping off the slide. I just want to tell them, like, let me just, just help you out in life. 
if you can't walk good, you probably can't jump good. <laughs> so these kind of kids, they never land. <laughs> so I'm just watching it as a parent, right? I'm watching it as a parent. Here's why I need you not to judge me. And I'm just watching it happen. You can just see it from afar. Y'all know y'all been there. <laughs> You're like, yo, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> And lo and behold, he doesn't make it. Now here's where you have a decision to make. You've been there. Okay. Do I continue acting like I'm reading my book? Or do I go and help? Can I make it worse? My church, there's a first aid kit, is right across the street. So I got a real decision to make. Do I help this kid or do I just put my head down? Don't judge me. There have been many times I just put my head down. I'm like, I, I know scientifically blood dries up. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's other kids. Let my daughter Zipporah say ouch. I'm like, oh my gosh, baby girl. Where was I at in your time of need? I can't believe the slide did you like that. Slide, what's up, yo? And she's like, Daddy, it's okay. I just got shocked on the slide and I said, ouch. You know how many times my daughter has to say, Dad, calm down. But I can't. Why? Because I'm a compassionate father. What this text is teaching us, y'all. And this is not for everybody. This is exclusive. He will go on to say, those who fear him. How do we fear him now? Trusting in the one who he sent. But for those who have trusted in him and are true children of God, this is what the text is teaching. That for his true children, God is so compassionate that he even hears your slightest ouch. And it's almost as though that seems too good to be true. I mean, that just sounds too good to be true. The God of the entire universe loves me and those insignificant, seemingly insignificant pains that I experience with all that's going on in the world? Absolutely. Well, then you might be asking the question, so how do you know this? How do you know this? I know this because he's proven this in Jesus Christ. Those benefits, he forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, and he satisfies. All five of those things are given to us in Jesus Christ. It's Luke chapter 24 that tells us that forgiveness of sins must be preached in what? Jesus' name. Isaiah chapter 53 says it is by his wounds that we are healed. When you talk about this idea of redemption, Paul goes crazy in Ephesians 1, and he says, in his blood, we have what? Redemption. He crowns us with love, and the world around us loves to quote this verse, God is love. But the passage in 1 John doesn't end there. 1 John 4 says, yes, God is love, but in this the love of God was made manifest among us that he did what? Sent his son to be the savior of the world. 
You want to talk about satisfaction. Woo-wee. This is where I say like reading rainbow, right? Don't take my word for it. Jesus himself comes on the scene in the Gospel of John, and he just starts rattling off how all the things you would ever need are satisfied in him. You need substance. He is the bread of life. You need truth. He is the light of the world. You need a shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. You need a way to heaven. I'm the door as well. Do you, do you need life? I am the resurrection and the life. You want to get to the Father? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And my favorite is the final one in John 15 where he says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. If you didn't know what he's talking about, he's saying that all that you can ever need is found in him. But apart from him, you have absolutely nothing. How do I know that? Because you know that a branch that is disconnected from a tree. It's so different that it gets a brand new name. Even sounds worse too. You know what it is? Stick. (laughs) Just go home and just say that word five times. Stick. (laughs) It just don't sound good. And listen, it's all to tell you that apart from Jesus Christ, you are not a child of God. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are redeemed. Apart from Jesus Christ, listen, please hear me. You do not have eternal life. But hallelujah, praise God. In Jesus Christ, not only are you forgiven, that's mercy, but you become, as Paul says, a co-heir with Christ. That his inheritance now becomes yours. And where did that faithful exchange happen? It happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. Where he took all of our sin and he gave us all of his righteousness. Now, I'm going to just say this. Second time you need to shout hallelujah. And here's why. Because if our story ended there, yeah, God would have still been faithful. But this story would actually be a tragedy. (laughs) Because what good is a dead savior? But listen, y'all know, right? Y'all know, right? I'm smarter than this. I ain't travel all the way from Iowa to tell y'all about no tragedy. (laughs) I came to talk about a triumph. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross, but he told him he would do that. Yes, he was buried in a tomb, but he told him he was going to do that. But he also told him one other thing, that after dying, after being buried, three days later, I'm going to get up out of the grave. He gets up out of the grave, stomps death into the ground, and then looks at his disciples and say, yo, what's good? I'm back. What are we doing now? The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is our living proof that God is indeed faithful to us. So I want to say this as a charge. God has been that faithful to you. Then isn't he deserving of faithful praise?
the way we praise God is not just in this building, but we go out declaring his faithfulness to a world that needs it. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray.